Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code staple two zero. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things world-wondering stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I am your host, Rob Godwin, and I'm joined as ever by independent wrestling's Matt Turner. Matt, how are you, my friend? Rob, my good friend, I am fantastic as always. It's always so good to hear your sexy voice (laughs) as we're gearing up for the weekend as we record this. How's everything on your end, my good friend? Not bad at all, not bad at all. We were just discussing off air how I am mere hours away from, uh, well, I think a well-deserved break. Uh, I don't know what other people think, but there we are. Um, And hopefully by the time that our lovely patrons will be hearing this um, at, hopefully, he says, 6 p.m. British Standard Time, um, I will be in a hot tub um, sipping a lovely ice-cold beer because not only has the weather held, it's actually warm in England. The impossible does happen, Matt. Look at that, my friend. Look at that. Yeah, it's, well, that sounds good, my friend. I'm excited that you're going to have a little bit of a break, recharge the old batteries. So that's exciting. Uh, speaking of exciting, it's been exciting at the Turner household. As uh, as we record this, we're one week away from my daughter Lily's, her first prom. 
So it's been, by exciting, I mean trying on probably nowhere to lie, about two dozen dresses, uh, all these different shoes, this or that. So it's like, again, I'm not in charge of anything. It's like my wife took her out shopping. She orders the dresses to come in. There's, you know, there's, excuse me, there's some days that they're out like looking for dresses or some days my wife will just order a whole bunch of stuff, try it on. If it doesn't fit, she'll return it. But the one thing I do know is that my daughter will look pretty as a princess. And if you're wondering what princess I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Princess of Cinderella. And speaking of Cinderella, you see where I'm going with this, buddy? You honestly, see where I'm going with honestly, this? Honestly, man, I was like, is he going to go Cinderella or is he going to go Pirate Princess? Like, which, which way is Matt going with this? I'd love to know. Now now the question is, this uh, little uh, this little ham-fisted segue I did, is it shameless that I use my daughter's first prom or is it genius? <laughs> honestly, man, I... I The fact that you've managed to ham-fistedly segue into our podcast by utilizing your daughter's prom is, I think it'll go down in Stardomcast folklore, if I'm perfectly honest. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's shameless. I think it's bloody fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's one of those, Matt, where at the start of every podcast, I'm always eager to see what journey you take us on to get us to the segue to the actual meat of the podcast. It seems that they're coming out of out of an increasing amount of nowhere and i just love it i really do <laughs> um obviously i hope your daughter has a fantastic prom um obviously as a dad are you going to be when the prom escort arrives or are you going to be the father that stands there imposing in the door we've all seen photos of you on twitter you are a broad dude are you going to be the imposing dad or are you going to be like just happy for your daughter going off and enjoying prom where, where do we fall on that well, to be honest, we, uh, my wife being the smartest person in the room, as she always is, uh, decided we need to meet this uh, gentleman before beforehand. So we went on a double date actually last night, and I was 50-50 on whether I'm going to be either super nice or if I was going to be like stern. You know, I just figured it's kind of be like, I guess to use a wrestling term, I was going <laughs> to call it in the ring, feel it out. And uh, this kid, God bless him, is so shy that I could not be like super intense Matt Turner, like, you know, I just... Such a nice kid, barely said five words at dinner. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was like, I couldn't, you know, just so nice, like almost like intimidated to like eat in front of us. Got to a point where I was like, hey, buddy, dig in because it's like, just go and eat. Like, it's fine. Like, we don't, we don't care. There's, we're, you know, we're not the, I guess to quote something from your country, man, we're not the royal family over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It, like, what age is that? So the prom in the US, I know, is a bit different to prom we have here. Is it? Is it 16? Am I right in thinking that? 17. Seven, uh, it's 17. Uh, junior and senior, so it's usually 17 and 18. So, Right. Okay. Well, I hope, obviously, she has a fantastic time. I'm sure uh, we'll hear all about it on next week's episode. Um, I feel like I've ruined your segue slightly, so we'll just <laughs> we'll just dive straight in. Um, we've... You had it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got a lot to talk about, guys. Um, we've got lots of little bits of news, lots of stuff that came out um, in the last couple of days. Obviously, we had the press conference for New Blood 2 and for the final of the Cinderella tournament, which we'll get into. We obviously had the quarterfinals um, of the Cinderella tournament as well. Our final four has been confirmed at Corican on the 17th. So we're going to be talking about that show. And we're also going to be talking about all of the fallout um, of that show and a few little stats 
in regard to the attendance and just the the lovely nitty gritty granular stuff that I know people come to tolerate when they listen to the podcast. But the first thing before we kick into anything else, Matt, Konami is returning, admittedly, only for Golden Week, so May 1st through May 5th, but she is returning as the bodyguard of God's Eye. How happy are you to see Konami, even if it is only fleetingly? I'm super pumped. I know, I think it was either, it was probably last episode or the episode before, we record so much sometimes it just kind of bleeds together in a good way. But you uh, <laughs> brought it up to me that you thought it was Konami, and I was like, don't get my hopes up. But it just seems like all these surprises that, like, that stardom does, it's just like, you know, they bring in back Kari Hojo, uh, Kari Sane, whatever you want to call her, and then now Konami. And again, I understand that supposedly it's only for Golden Week, but here's something, too. And we, we've been talking about this on the podcast for months now. Like, she's been posting on social media that she's back. You can see her. She's back to doing jiu-jitsu, so she's kind of getting her feet wet, feet wet in the combat area, and that's kind of her bread and butter. I mean, she is the submission sniper, but if she gets her, just to get her feet wet, there's a good chance that she's going to get the bite again that she's going to get like you know as roddy piper would say the fever you know the sickness mm. so it's just like when you know in her head she's like i'm just coming back just for these you know just for this weekend but if she gets a good reaction and has a really good mattress i'm assuming she's going to there's a very good possibility where she might like the next day text rossio gal and was like yeah uh you know i'm uh, i'm ready for the five star i know that you only have 42 of the 60 people uh <laughs> filled out for the five star I, can i be number 43 there is a very good possibility i've seen it it's happened with me before uh when i you know uh, I, about six or seven years ago i took about three or four months off from wrestling just to heal myself and get into better shape and my thing was i'm gonna do one or two shows a month for about a year or two and then i'm gonna call it quits and again that was seven years from now and i don't <laughs> see myself quitting until i'm in my mid-50s i want to be like minoru suzuki you know old man grandpa just you know but uh, and I honestly think that I think that's what's going to happen. I think that she's going to get the bug, and I think we're going to see her kind of a lot more come uh, come towards the end of the summer. And obviously, as fans of Konami, we want that to happen. We want to see more Konami. Obviously, I don't want her to come back before she's ready, whether that's in a physical capacity or whether that's in a mental capacity. Obviously, only Konami can really tell when the time is right. I hope that's the case. You know, you've spoken about how that's affected yourself, but also closer to stardom, it happened with Hazuki. You know, she stepped into the ring for the first time at the Hanakamura Memorial Show. She then had um, little exchanges with Kaguma. And, you know, before we know it, she's back in a stardom ring, which in 2021 felt like the furthest thing from happening. So, you know, you never say never. Fingers crossed, no matter what happens, fingers crossed she's okay. Hopefully, you know, when that video, which we'll be talking about when we go into the Korokan show, when that video hit... The reception was incredible. And you called it, my man. You said after uh, Dream Queendom in December, Stardom are going to be hard-pressed to bring Konami back as a heel. I mean, and that video proved it because even though they're a clap crowd, and that Corican crowd, by the way, absolutely fantastic, reacted to everything, and most of the time forgot they were supposed to be clapping. Um, but that reaction in itself shows that people have missed Konami She's too over to be a heel anymore. And the storyline of her, A, returning in uh, Hiroshima, which is her hometown, and also returning as part of Suri's faction, you know, all the history with Suri, it's too perfect. You know, fingers crossed you're right. But if she's not, if you're not, and she does end up just taking some more time, at least she's come back in the right way. Um, 
And again, we'll be talking a little bit more about that as we talk over the podcast. Now, speaking of God's eye, um, have you seen, Matt, on the old Twitter machine that God's Eye's official logo has been completed? Was it just like the eye thing, kind of the thing that Sherry had when she was part of ALK? That's correct. Yeah. Now on Stardom World, on the um, on the graphics, they just literally had God's Eye written in red, uh, which I did wonder, you know, whether it was just going to be a placeholder. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's an eye that Suri has had on her person since her ALK days. Um, it's black with a red background, and then just God's Eye written over the top of it. What do you think of it? Well, it's cost efficient because she didn't have to get any new artwork done because she's already <laughs> had it. True. So that's so that's so that's good. It's one thing. It's one thing to increase your money. It's another thing when you're when you're decreasing your cost. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think it's pretty good. A lot of these, when it comes to logos and stuff like that, it's one thing to have a cool logo. It's another thing to have a cool faction uh, behind it. And obviously, right now they're the cool faction. It, you know, they have everything that I like. They have the hard hitters, the the great submission wrestlers, and adding Konami back into it. Uh, I, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, it's not something that I would go out of my way to buy uh, just because, one, the shipping was going to be terrible. And, two, it's not like I don't already have 80 other uh, wrestling T-shirts. That is a good so, point. Uh, but I think, and I'm sure you're probably the same way, huh, brother? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Another wrestling shirt, uh, Rob? You don't understand. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I just I just keep punching them into my drawer. <laughs> But I think it look I think it looks pretty cool, and I I hope they do well. Obviously, we know that the Don Del Mundo merch over the last year and a half sold incredibly well, and I think that has a lot to do with the the fact that the people that that were in it. So you kind of wonder: one is how much is this merch going to sell, and two is the DDM stuff going to take a little bit of a hit compared to probably where it was a year ago. Uh, I'm probably just going to say yes, just because one of their popular, you know, most popular members, the champion, the winner of last year's five-star grand prix is the leader of another faction so it's gonna be interesting to see you know and i, and I hope those are numbers that i would you know that would be readily available because i'm always interested in the merchandising aspect because it's just another revenue for the wrestlers you know you always want any wrestler in any capacity whether it's you know corporate wrestling or independent wrestling or stardom or whatever you always want them to make uh, the most amount of money they can and when you have another stream of revenue you know the merchandising uh, you know that always helps helps as well yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to hear what people on Twitter, on our Discord, um, actually feel about the God's Eye logo. Do you know, do you like it? Do you think it's too pop arty? Or are you thinking, yeah, this represents Suri perfectly from the colour to the eye aspect? Um, I'd love to know what you think about it. What I will say is at the press conference, um, before this logo was officially uh, unveiled, she was wearing eye earrings that were very reminiscent of the eye that's part of this logo. So we're foreshadowing at its finest. Um, Speaking of the press conference, we have got some things to talk about coming out of that. Obviously, we have the entire card for the new new Blood show, which will be taking place on the 13th of May from Tokyo, New Pier Hall, which we'll go through in a minute. And we have got the full Cinderella Tournament 2022 final card that will be taking place on the 29th of April in Ottawood City Gymnasium. So I'll quickly run down the card um, for the new Blood show, otherwise known as Rob Butcher's Joshi Names. So, um, obviously these cards aren't necessarily in order um there might be changes so this is what the order that they were announced in also the order that they are on uh, the stardom website but we open with a tag team match the um 
starting team of Hannon and Hina taking on Aoi and Tomoka Inaba from Just Tap Out. So very excited to see Aoi back in the um the start and fold because I was really impressed with her last time. I thought she had a very unique look and a very unique style as well. Um singles match, uh the Gato Move representative Yuna Mizumori versus Lady C. Um, a tag team match, uh, Momokogo and Saya Ida taking on the Colors team of Yu- uh, Yuko Sakurai and Rina Sunakura. We've then got another tag team match with the God's Eye team of Amisori and Mirai mm. taking on Wakasukiyama and the freelancer Momoka Hanazono. A singles match then in our semi-main event between Mei Sakurai and Prominence's Suzu Suzuki, otherwise known as the Death of Mei Sakurai, and our six-woman tag team main event, I believe, is going to be the younger Wedatai team of Starlight Kid, Rina and Ruaka, taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Mina Shirakawa, Yunagi Sayaka, and a mystery opponent. Now, I'd love to say, oh, a new Cosmic Angel. Who on earth could that be? But Yunagi, apparently during the press conference, and thank you to at SG underscore OXXT on Twitter for the translation. Yunagi said, to be honest, X is still undecided. We're now recruiting. We're looking forward to hearing from you, the young generation, which pretty much means it could be anyone. Even Yunagi doesn't know. Um... But in terms of a card, Matt, what jumps out at you? Were there anyone from New Blood 1 that you're looking forward to seeing again on New Blood 2? And overall, what are your thoughts? Just the one glaring omission is no Miyu. She was in the main event of the first one. Uh, and she, you know, we talk all the time about she's wrestling well beyond her years. You figured you'd put her in this one again. So I kind of thought that was kind of a little bit of a head scratcher. But again, outside of the stardom, there's not a lot of these ladies I know. I was very impressed by everyone that I saw at a new blood one. So I'm excited to see this one as well. Uh, you know, new blood one, the show was probably less than two hours. So it was kind of, you know, it was uh, all filler, no killer. So that was, I'm sorry, all killer, no filler, excuse me. Um, so I, I'm assuming that this is what this is going to be as well. And it's going to be exciting. And again, this is just another really good uh, chance to, for the new uh, crop of wrestlers and Joshi wrestling to uh, show their talents. So uh, there's nothing really crazy that sticks out for me. I am a little curious to see we're having another mystery person, who I guess we have no idea who it is. It may even be you, Rob. Are you going to be the newest member of uh, of Cosmic Angels? That's what I want to know because you've been doing a lot of this multi-person booking and knowing that Konami's coming back. So that's the question. You know, are we going to see you coming out doing the dancing with, <laughs> with the Cosmic Angels and then and then you tear your quad like Kevin Nash? <laughs> Just go down like a sack of spuds. Um <laughs> I'll be honest. I would. I vet this. I feel like this is why I empathise so much with Wakasukiyama. Um, simply because I'm very much when it comes to dancing, I can memorise moves, but I will then do them in such a wooden way that I I have absolutely no rhythm whatsoever. Um, so yeah. Um, I think if I was to join a Stardom faction, Cosmic Angels would be very, very much bottom of the pile, uh, simply because of my terrible, terrible dancing. Um, Yeah, I mean, it could literally be anyone. There are plenty of people who were on the first card that aren't on the second card. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing um, the leads from Colors, because I've seen a lot of um, people being very positive about them on Twitter. I similar to you, Matt. I, I'm very, very 
noobish when it comes to Joshi outside of stardom and my level of knowledge on these women does come from the new blood show so that's why i'm so excited to see anaba and Aoi. um which by the way i think i've got right so fingers crossed scotty wrestling if you're listening fingers crossed i've got it right um but we've also had announced the um full tournament final card for the 29th of april on ota ward city gymnasium so the card is as follows we have got a three-way match between amisori mei sakurai and wakasukiyama we have got a future of stardom championship match between hanan and hina We've then got a Cinderella tournament semi-final match, which I'm not going to get into because just in case you haven't seen that and you're waiting for our review, um, same second semi-final as well. We've then got the biggest let's throw everyone onto the card match we possibly could. We've got a six-woman gauntlet tag team match with, and these are the teams, Julia, Micah, and Tekla from DDM. Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakaro, and Yunagi from Cosmic Angels. Um, I will also point out that Mina and Yunagi um, have got a match earlier in the day for the Diana um, tag team title. So that's on the same day. So we might see them come out draped in gold. Who knows? Um, we've also got the Queen's Quest team of Utami, Saya Kamatani, and Lady C. Uh, the Ueretai team of Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, and Ruaka. The Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Sayurida, and Momo Kogo. And another Ueretai team made up of Saki Kashima, Rina, and Fukikin Death. We then go on to the last three matches the high speed championship match between Azumi the champion and Mesa Rugger from Gato Move. Um, the World of Stardom championship match between Suri the champion and Himika. And then finally, obviously, our tournament final for the Cinderella 2022, which looks like at the moment is slated to be the main event. Obviously, I don't know if it will be or not. Um, on that card, Matt. Um, is there anything you want to highlight? Anything you're sort of really, really looking forward to? Anything you're slightly disappointed in? What do you think? No, I'm not disappointed in anything. Obviously, the uh, semifinals and the finals, I think pretty much everybody predicted uh, the four women that would be in there. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, everybody, I mean, anybody that has a time machine. But the matchups are really good. Obviously, we'll get into it more. There's a certain... All four women, I would not be heartbroken at all if they won. They've all had a fantastic year and the year leading up to it uh, as well. There is a certain final that I want to see. Again, we'll get into it more when we go over the review of this uh, show. Obviously, I'm looking forward to the uh, the Sherry and Himika match. Again, I think we're all pretty pretty uh, sure who's going to win that match. We, we don't see a title changing. I mean, stranger things have happened, but... Just because you kind of have an idea of the result does not mean you can enjoy the journey. And I think that match is going to be hard-hitting. I think it's going to be well-paced. I, For the role that Sherry has been on for this last you know year and a half, I would not be surprised if this is the best singles Himika match that we've ever seen. Obviously, it's the highest-profile match that she's uh, she's had, and she's been on quite, quite a role as well. Uh, the high-speed match I'm really interested to see just because I've only seen a little bit of May Saruga on uh, AEW. So I really haven't seen her much in Japan. And Azumi is obviously, I mean, her stock just rises just every time she comes out. So I'm interested in that as well. So, uh, and I'm also interested to see how you're going to book that, uh, that gauntlet match because <laughs> you, the, the, the one on uh, World Climax, you literally got beat by beat. I was like, holy jeez. Like, he literally has this beat by beat. So I'm excited in the uh, text message conversation that 
we're probably going to have either today or tomorrow while you're annihilated in a hot tub with a beer about you. Uh, you just don't drop your phone in the hot tub. <laughs> yeah, but suddenly stop talking. You know, that's why. <laughs> you're not big licking me, are you, brother? No, I just dropped my phone in the hot tub. <laughs> Um, I've no idea the way that Gauntlet match is going. I'm looking at it. It's just a wall of text. Um, but what I will say is I, d- I don't see any titles changing. Spoiler on this card. Um, Hina I was very impressed with on the Corrigan card again, uh, but I don't see her overthrowing Hannon. The thing is with Hannon, um, they seem to have put their eggs in Hannon's basket when it comes to sort of defending that future of stardom belt on the new blood shows. So that's, you know, a good direction to go in. However, I do think that opener, Amisori, Meisakura, and Wakasuki Ame, I think I'd be surprised if you thought differently, but I think Amisori is going to win that. I would be very surprised if she doesn't win that match and then challenge Hannon for the belt after she beats Rina. Uh, sorry, Hina. I'd be very surprised if that doesn't happen. Um... I think the high-speed match will be great, but again, I don't see Azumi dropping it. I'm in the exact same boat as you. I don't see Shuri dropping the belt. I don't see her dropping the belt to anyone ever. Um, I think she's just going to hold it forever, but I think Himika will put on a fantastic fight. Um, we saw fantastic little exchanges, little flashes, obviously, in their Cinderella match, and then again on this Corrick and Outpost match. Um, but something interesting to come out of the press conference in relation to Shuri and Himika um, was that Himika laid the smooch on Siori. Did you see this, Matt? Sure did. And this is very similar. I mean, a lot of people are buzzing. It's very similar to what happened uh, last year at the Cinderella final, um, the build-up with Yutami. So does that mean that Sherry is going to have another, you know, five-plus star match because uh, because of what happened last year? So uh, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I, I did see that. Um, <laughs> very interesting to kind of see where they go there because, again, we don't know where the rest of this DDM group is going to go. We don't know uh, you know, Himika, Micah, Natsupoy, we don't know if they're going to split and go with Sherry's group. Um, so it's, uh, you know, you wonder if that's going to play into anything because they do a really good job. Stardom does a really good job with, you know, the, the little quirks here or there to go into the long, long-term long uh, booking. So you wonder, you wonder if that's going to even play a part in the match where it's just like maybe like Sherry's just really waylaying into uh, into Himika and she just keeps kicking out, keeps kicking out. And she almost gives her like gives her a kiss, and it's like the kiss of death. And then she just gives her like one ginormous big buzzsaw kick to knock her out for the finish. You know, I would not be shocked if that little uh, smooch there plays into their match coming up here uh, next week. So yeah, very uh, very interesting, very interesting. The little little tidbits and little quirks that Stardom does at this uh, press conference. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Like you mentioned, obviously the parallels between this and the build up to the Utami and Siori match, and how. Uh, Utami very, very much it threw her. You could see that Suri was in her head. Whereas you look at how Suri reacts when Himika does this to her, and she's very deadpan. There's no selling whatsoever. She's very much the hell is this? But there's no there's no real facial tells. So I'm interested to see how far this goes. Obviously, Himika then said um, on the 29th of April, I will take away not only the lips, but that red belt, which I thought was quite a nice little thing. Now, the Stardom English unofficial Twitter page came out with an interesting theory. And obviously, I just wanted to get your thought on this. Um, it was a thread that started with them twe- uh, tweeting out, interesting how the roles have been reversed now that Suri is the world of Stardom champion, which we've both commented on, but then came out with, 
Suri's unit is called God's Eye. Hamika, representing Judas, gives Suri Jesus the kiss of death. Um, I might be looking a bit too much into this. I'm also not religious, so my grasp of these concepts aren't that great either. But I think it's an interesting parallel. Um, I love that parallel. I think that's a really, really in-depth parallel to draw. Obviously, there are certain differences. Obviously, Judas was kissing Jesus as a show of betrayal. And uh, obviously, I don't think Himika's, um motivations are betrayal. But I do like the sort of allegory between the two, Matt. What about you? I am very religious, and I uh, did not see that. That just adds another cool wrinkle onto this already awesome match for me. So that's uh, that's pretty nifty. I did not know. I did not look into that uh, as well, and I didn't even hear about that. So thank you for bringing that up. So you, uh, as always there, Mr. Rob Goodwin, you uh, just made my my uh, match, uh, you know, pique my interest for this match even more. So uh, thank you, sir. So, um yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. That's really real in depth. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but uh, if it wasn't, you know, kudos on to uh, the Twitter world for for pointing that out. So that's that is pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, Judas was the one that betrayed Jesus, um, and you know, and basically, you know, fed him up to uh, to be uh, to be put on the cross. So that's uh yeah you know it was it was that the kiss of death i didn't even think so and like i said maybe sherry's going to repay the favor by giving her the kiss of death before she gives her the final blow next week so i know we we shall see you know we'll see if that uh that story you know that little tidbit there comes comes tenfold back on it i love wrestling sometimes it's great isn't it um i love i I love it all the time (laughs) even the bad stuff i love um and then from deep parallels and religious allegory we have Younger Wedetai turning up to this press conference with a Starbucks order and then just sat eating it during the press conference, which really, really tickled me. And is they are slowly but surely looking and feeling more like the Wedetai that Kagetsu was in charge of. Um, and actually, this leads into a little bit of feedback to our last episode. Obviously, both me and you talked about how Moa Watanabe has been treated since the turn. And we were both not necessarily down on it by any stretch of the imagination, but we were we were saying, is it weird that they didn't pull the trigger on her um, for that red belt shot, sort of that shock? And Armani Shoe Exchange on our Discord actually was talking to me about this and raised a really, really, really good point that I just wanted to run past you and, of course, our listeners. Um, on the note of Momo, I don't think a turn was ever meant to be a big instant push. I think the two major goals are short-term, fix Oedetai, and make it relevant again. Now, before I go into the long-term goal, I think that short-term goal, where you th- when you think where Oedetai were at the start of 2021, they were they were quite literally turn off your TV boring. Their motivations made no sense. They did the same thing every match. Every match was a DQ ending. It felt very, very stale. Whereas now you look at the injection of Starlight Kid, the injection of Momo Watanabe, the way they're carrying themselves, the fun they seem to be having as well. Like you look at all this stuff surrounding Fuki Gendek being the Cinderella queen, even though she hasn't she hasn't progressed in the tournament. They were like, oh, once Saki wins, maybe they'll give her the dress and dress her up anyway and recreate the entrance video for the first round. They're just having that little bit of fun. Um, and they are slowly but surely becoming one of the most watchable things on Stardom, which is great when you consider where they are. So definitely big tick for that. Um, and then long term, 
help Momo develop a good character, confidence, swagger, and presentation that she'll need to become a top-tier star. Now, since that's been pointed out to me, I sort of like, you know, slapped myself on the head and thought, of course, of course, they're sort of not necessarily renovating her character, but we talked about it on this podcast, Matt, about how Momo was in such a desperate need of renovation, such a desperate need of a, a fresh coat of paint that this is perfect. What do you think? Yeah, I totally see that. I think the reason why we thought that way is because we're such big fans of Momo Watanabe and just how well she's she's done pretty much since she started and started, especially that white belt uh, run, which we reviewed on the Patreon, that I think we were just like, we just want to see her win the red belt. Not that Sherry doesn't deserve it or Mayu doesn't deserve it. Or Utami didn't deserve that big long run. Or obviously, you know, we think at the end of the year, it's going to go to Julia. Uh, not that, you know, th- those people, those uh, wrestlers don't make fine champions, but we, I think we're just so desperate for like Momo to finally get that big win to win the red belt they're, that we were just like, anytime now, anytime now, okay, you know, they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to put it on her. But now that, you know, you look at it that way and it's like, yeah, it makes sense. You know, she's only 22, 23. As long as she stays healthy, she has all the time in the world. And again, from the time that she got into that little mini feud with Io Shirai in the beginning of 2018, up until like the end of the year, she's literally putting on banger after banger after banger. You're talking three years plus. And her body was just probably just taking such a beating where where when she did this turn to the Oedo tie, like even the multi-person matches, she really didn't do too much into it. So it was like, you know, one, it's you're kind of saving her. And two, it's like she probably has probably just beaten up her body so much that this is probably just adding, you know, these three, four months where she wasn't really doing too much up until World Climax, uh, other than adding on to her character, probably put years on her career because she wasn't taking those bumps. She wasn't having those 25 minute barn burners, you know, you know, uh, you know, once a month at Cork or whatever. So, yeah, I see that point of view. I just think that me and you were just like, I don't know, just very much like the wrestling world just so impatient. We just wanted her to get that red belt because she totally just deserves it. But at the same time, it's like now she's teamed with Starlight Kid, and it's just it's they're they've only had a handful of matches together, and they're already the goddess of stardom tag champions, and they're already one of the best tag teams in all of wrestling, you know. So yeah, I totally see that point of view. But I, you know, and maybe that's what they're doing. They're just yeah, giving her. They're trying to maybe just complete her character, you know, uh, three three sixty all the way. And, and there's been a lot of comparisons. I'm sure you've seen online now that she's got that fancy like rock and roll jacket that she's almost doing like the Io Shirai, like when Io first turned heel in NXT, and then it lasted all of about a minute because she's so damn entertaining that she just basically made herself a face again. And she's almost <laughs> doing the same man she's almost doing the same mannerisms. And I don't know if you picked up on that as well. Yeah, a little bit actually. There well, there are certainly bits that you can see that she's taken from Io and that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you're taking certain aspects from different wrestlers and making them work for you, I I don't think there's any issue with that whatsoever. Um but yeah, it, no, none. It, it's going to be interesting to see where Momo goes from here because, you know, she did have a good run last year in the five star. So whether she has an equally good run, whether she's eliminated as a block finalist or something like that, and then goes on, you know, how long sort of stardom hold back before they do pull the trigger. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, certainly. Um, yeah. One last bit of news. Um, Jungle Kiona is returning to the ring. Now, unfortunately, it's not for stardom, um, as so many of us want, but she will be having an exhibition match at the Hannah Kimura Memorial Show Bagus against a 
opponent of her choosing. Now, she hasn't wrestled since that knee injury on the 4th of October 2020. So we're talking over 18 months now of not seeing Jungle Kiona in the ring. I'm very, very, very excited to see her wrestle. Obviously, she was still injured during that first memorial show for Hannah. So it's it's great that she's able to do this. I'm really, really, really excited. And again, it could be on the similar thing at Konami, where she kind of just gets her feet wet and she gets the plug again. It's very, very similar. And I, I know, and I, I know just from talking to you and from our listeners on the podcast that she kind of had a falling out with stardom. But at the same time, and I think if she wants to go back, I mean, money talks, and she's a draw. You know, she is. She's a draw. She's very solid, solid in the ring. So I think if she gets the bug back and she wants to go back to stardom again. She would be entry number 44 out of 60 for the five star. So I know I'm thinking ahead of myself, but I know, I know me and you are, I mean, you're, a, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Jungle Kiona. I think you're even a bigger fan than I am. Mm. So again, if she comes back healthy and it's in the right mindset, you know, I think that, uh, you know, she's having fun in the ring, you know, more power to her, more power to her, but it's, it's going to be exciting, you know, to see her come back and, uh, you know, hopefully she's, uh, you know, it's in a safe manner. You know, she, she has her knee and she's mentally, you know, 100% prepared. Uh, you know, I think I, I don't think anybody doesn't want to see her on the silence. I think we all want to see her competing in the ring. But uh, yeah, the opponent to be named later. So you kind of wonder who that's going to be. Is it, now that they say it's going to be a single or a tag match or they just they didn't make that announcement yet. It just says that Jungle Kiona will have an exhibition match. Now, with it being an exhibition match, it sound it's worded to make it sound like a singles match. I wonder I wonder who it would be. I wonder I wonder if it would be Akari. I mean, Kari had a little feud with Hannah, um, you know, when Hannah first kind of kind of got uh, got going there. So I wonder maybe if they would do that, if Kari would lend her. I mean, we see just how, you know, what she's doing to help out uh, Sinjiro Otani. So you wondered if she would, you know, have an exhibition match with her just to help the ticket sales and then, you know, donate some of her merch. That was something, obviously, she has a heart of gold. So, I mean, maybe I'm just dreaming really big here, but, I mean, that's not a realm of possibilities as well. I mean, you say that. Could be Konami. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, Tokyo Cyber Squad. Tokyo Cyber Squad, obviously, you know, it would be very poetic for that exhibition match to take place between two people who were so close to Hannah. Um, Whoever it is, it's going to be fantastic just to see Jungle Kiona in the ring. I am not holding my breath of an imminent stardom return, obviously, with the way with the way she left and the things that have got to be rectified before it um, return is even entertained. Obviously all there's all that rumored bad blood between her and Hazuki and, you know, the reason she left when Hazuki returned and things, and obviously nothing has been confirmed and a lot of it is uh, sort of hearsay, but that's pretty much the, uh, the understood version on the, uh, on the old Twitter verse. Let's move away from the news, though, and look at the show that we are going to be reviewing today is, of course, the Cinderella Tournament 2022 second round and quarter final show from Sunday the 17th of April at Corican Hall, an attendance of 1,151. Now, I know you love a stat, Matt, so I am going to throw some stats your way, which I know you'll love. Um, Love it. This is the largest stardom crowd in Corican since the Waiter Major League show way back in February 2020. Um, 
which was the last Stardom Corican before the pandemic. It is also the largest Corican house for any previous Cinderella tournament, any Corican house. So just so that you can hear this, the attendance again was 1,151. These were the previous attendances. So in 2015, 925. In 2016, 1,050. 2017 was 1,150, so it was beaten out by one person, one sole person, but even so, doesn't matter, still the highest. Uh, 2018 was 987, 2019 back up to 1,050, and then obviously 2020 and 2021 were pandemic um, sort of restricted. So Julia in 2020, 538 people in attendance. And in 2021, there were three dates for the tournament, 606 and 556 at Corican, and then, of course, the 1,240 Oat Award City Gym. Um, another great stat, which was actually brought to my attention on Twitter by at MattB425. Um he wrote that Stardom's one Corican show this this month, which is obviously the Cinderella show we're talking about, almost outdrew all three of New Japan's Corican shows combined. And then New Japan failed to outdraw Oz Academy at Corican this month for any single show. Now, that is unbelievable. Now, the three New Japan shows that they have run this month, they ran... Uh, the 4th of April as part of the Hyper Battle Tour, um, that drew 526. The Golden Series show, um, night two on the 19th of April, only drew 374. And then the Golden Series, the following night, night three, 20th of April, drew 509 people, which is a combined attendance of 1,409. Now, obviously, we don't know whether they have the same um, COVID restrictions, Aston, whether that is just a universal thing, um, but if it's not, that's a huge jump for stardom, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not, I love New Japan, uh, so I'm not going to bag on them. So I don't know, you know, kind of what's going on there. I know just to put everything on a positive note, the uh, the um, I think it was Hyper Battle was the Okada versus Zack Saber match drew really, really well. So mm-hmm. good on them. But uh, um, this is great on stardom. I mean, this is great on stardom. You just see numbers like this, and it's just, it just, you go, you see that they're drawing almost 1,200 people at Corican Hall for the Cinderella, and that they're drawing, you know, almost 3,000 per night at World Climax, and the numbers just keep going up and up. And this actually, this, this reminds me, you know, from when I first started watching stardom about a year ago, this reminds me of like New Japan 2012, where it's like they had the stars, they had the really good matches, but now they're kind of just starting to really, really truck along where New Japan had that, like, six or seven, like, really, really strong years up until, you know, uh, COVID happened and they had all the restrictions and then everybody got hit with the injury bug. But this this is what this feels like. This And it's got a lot of people buzzing. I mean, I remember 2012 when they just started the Yokata-Tanahashi feud and it was making all this buzz. I had a lot of my uh, wrestling uh, friends that really didn't watch New Japan that were asking me a ton of questions. And that's what this is like now. That's literally what I have so many people asking me starting questions. I know uh, me and you, I was texting you back and forth last weekend that last week I was at the Fozzie show and I had so I bumped into so many different wrestlers and fans that I knew that were literally just talking about stardom. Didn't even say anything about Chris Jericho, the guy, you know, 20 feet away on the stage. They just want to know stuff about stardom. You know, where do I go? What do I watch? Who are the people to watch? So that's what this feels like. And hopefully they can keep, you know, a good three, four, five, six year, seven wave of momentum going because 
it's uh, it's you know widely reported that I know Rossi Ogawa wants to run the Tokyo Dome in what twenty four or twenty five. So that's a very real possibility. So I mean, these numbers just keep jumping up and up and up. And now with COVID restrictions being uh, being lifted, and you know, it's 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 just really it's really healthy for the business, you know, overall, not just starting, but for the business of wrestling overall. When you see numbers like this, yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to echo your sentiments. I actually like New Japan. I watched the New Japan Cup, which was fantastic, and that hyper battle show with um, Zack Saber Jr. and Okada. What a match that was! Um, just for context, by the way, that Oz Academy match, uh, that Oz Academy show, sorry, that Matt B was talking about, uh, drew 677 people, so outdrawing all three of those New Japan shows. Though it should be mentioned that that Oz show did have three title matches on it, and those New Japan shows, no title matches on any of them. Um, let's kick into this show then. We opened with a singles match with Tekla defeating Lady C with the O'Connor roll in five minutes and 35 seconds. I feel like I'm going to say this quite a lot, but Tekla, she's getting better and better every time I watch her match. Yeah, it's like, you know, when her and Mariah debuted at the beginning of the year, they took their mask off. And I know me and you were like, okay, we don't know who the, who they are. So we kind of had like a close eye on both of them. And both of them are actually, you know, I mean, they're just such improvement. Yeah, and Tekla, I mean, everything she does from her from her entrance to, uh, you know, she's had a great presentation. I thought this match was really solid. Um, but like, to me, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but it just seemed like the match just got going. And then like the finish came out of nowhere. It was like, you know, she did the O'Connor roll with the Backlund Bridge. And I thought, okay, you know, this is a nice little fallacy to kind of transition to something. You know, she'll kick out of it. And then Lady C never did. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like to me it was like they were just getting going. The ref was like, all right, time to take it home now. So, uh, but I, I thought this was this was pretty good. But nothing that I would go out of my way to see. No, I thought Tekla actually gave Lady C quite a lot. Um, Tekla destroying Lady C's arm early on, so she can't use any of a big offense. However, Lady C's able to power through an enormous choke slam, which Tekla sells brilliantly. And then just, again, you know, adding on to that Tekla hype, there's a great transition where she transitions from a back suplex into a guillotine and then a double wrist lock. And it was just, it was a beautiful transition. Yeah, they were only given five minutes, but obviously with the amount of matches, I believe there was 10 matches on this card. Um, they did, you know, this was an ultimately an inconsequential match that didn't need the time that they were going to give matches later on. So three stars for me, a good enough opener. What about you? Yeah, again, I will always give you the three stars because you put an effort. Um, There's nothing really sloppy. Everything was solid. It flowed real well. So, um, yeah, good, you know, good, solid stuff. Match two, then, a six-woman tag team match with the stars team of Hanan, Momokogo, and Hazuki defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakawa, and Wakasukiyama when Hazuki pinned Wakasukiyama with the newly rechristened Hazuki driver in 8 minutes and 22 seconds. Um, a couple of things to note from the pre-match press, uh, sorry, the pre-match interviews. First of all, the entirety of the Cosmic Angels promos cut in English, which was pretty cool. Uh, we also learned that on the HMS Cosmic Angel, Tam is your pilot, Mina is in the cabin attendant, and Waka describes herself as quite literally a stranger, which I was like, oh, poor Wacker. Um, secondly, after watching the dance routine, it appears that Wacker now knows all the moves, not necessarily in the right order, but progress is progress, Matt. We're getting there. Everything with Wacker, we're getting there. <laughs> the dances are coming along. 
she's getting closer and closer to getting that three count. I mean, it was towards the end here. There was a really good counter where Hazuki did a great job with King at like 2.999. Every t- every outing, she gets closer. And you talk about it all the time. She When they, when they do these Cosmic Angels, you know, multi-person tag matches, she is the most interesting story going in. Now, like, Tam's going to do what Tam's going to do. And, you know, Mina and Unagi are obviously really good as well. But, like, Waka just always seems the person to watch out for. You know, we all know what the result's going to be. But we all wonder just, like, how they're going to get there. You know, we all know the destination, but it's all about the journey that they take you on. Uh, so, I, you know, they do these Cosmic Angels matches just are really, really good. Just because it's like, we know the finish, but, like, how close is she going to get? And like you said, you know, this is why we're such a great, you, 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 we're such a great podcast. Is we bring you the great information, like the fact that Waka is getting way better at the dances. Like, who else is picking that up? <laughs> nobody, no, no, nobody but us, folks. So, but as far as this match goes, I thought it was really good. Uh, Momo, Momo Kogo, they talk about somebody else that's getting better all the time. Momo Kogo, jeez. But like her and Mina start out with like a Lucia spot, like right out of the get go. It's like, oh, okay. Like, oh, that's worth, you know, they start with something different. So that was really good. I was also really impressed, and I've been noticing this over the last few months, is that the Cosmic Angels do a really good job on like triple teams and quadruple teams, yeah. um, like where they're in sync, like where and you can kind of te- you can kind of see that, you know, te- you know, I get Tam's the pilot, like she said. So you can tell, as she said in the pre match promo, she's the pilot when it comes to these double teams and triple teams and quadruple teams. It's just like where for everybody to be and calling out the spots. I just think that that's always really good. Um, that how, how they do that, how like nobody seems to be missed time, nobody seems to be, you know, not in the right spot. They need to make sure they're in the right part of the ring just because there's so many people in the ring at the time. And that I'm really impressed by that. Um, and like I was saying, I, I really like the uh, the false finish where, um, excuse me, Huzuki goes for the Huzuki driver and Waka slides behind her and she does like the Marafuji uh, uh, tiger suplex, but it's not a suplex, it's more of a slide. She's been using that a lot. And they was like, I mean, I was pretty sure she was kicking out, but Huzuki did a really good job of holding on to that, you know, for the very last possible second. And then she gets the senton and the Huzuki driver for the, for the win. But this was solid. Like this flowed really, really well. Again, you alluded to before, buddy, that there was 10 matches on the card, so we kind of had to give everybody a little bit of time, but not too much time. But I had this one three and a half stars. I thought this was, this was really, really good, and everybody looked good in it. Yeah, I gave it three and a half as well. Cosmic Angels look like they're having the time of their lives in this match, and they seem really relaxed together. I mean, we've been talking about on the last couple of episodes about how Wacker looks far more serious, and even she looked far more relaxed in this match. And you know, considering there's three rookies or lower card talent on this match, you know, you've got Hanan, Momokogo, and Wakasukiyama. They all mesh fantastically with their teams, and Hanan looked crisp, and her judo throws were far more aggressive than before, while Moma, you mentioned it before, Momokogo's opening stretch with Mina's great, and then Waka, not only great on offense, but also her kick out at the last possible second from that Hazuki top rope senton was tremendous. The crowd, I mentioned them right at the top of the podcast, the crowd was so invested in every single match on this card. They were great. Um, But overall, I thought everyone did really, really well. And just a final note on um, Momo Kogo. I know that obviously she's got prior history with Cosmic Angels when she said she'd rather join Stars um, rather than Cosmic Angels. But every time I see her wrestle, I see more and more Mayu Iwatani in her. Is it is that just me or is that coming across to you as well? No, and a little bit of Hazuki as well. Like the way Hazuki she sets up her springboard and where she puts it, like you can kind of tell 
she's basically copy and pasted that from Hazuki. But again, copy and A, get an A. Again, I shouldn't be saying that to the school teacher, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, there's a lot, especially the selling. And again, we talk about Mayu Iwatani being, you know, probably the best female seller of all time, or at least in the last 10, 12 years, and one of the best sellers in all of wrestling today. So I can, you can see it in the facials. You can see, like, she knows when to sell, when to sell level three as opposed to a level five or a level, level 10. And then she knows even how to sell on the uh, on the firing up. So she's like, you know, uh, Mayu Iwatani light when it comes to the selling. And that is, that is, that is not to demeanor. That is meant to be a compliment. But, yeah, I totally agree. You see a lot of, uh, of Mayu in her as well. So you just wonder if she's going to start doing the moonsault. I mean, that'll be the big tell, won't it? If she starts breaking out the two-step dragon and the moonsault. Uh, starts... and then she, and, yeah, and then she throws a tennis ball in the crowd as well. Or maybe they do a soccer ball or a football <laughs> or, or, or a bowling ball. Bowling ball. <laughs> I mean, maybe she just f- forgets to turn up to venues um, in true Mayu Otani style. Um, match three then was a 10-woman tag team match with the Queen's Quest team of Utami Hayashishita, Saika Matani, Azumi, Miyu Amasaki, and Hina, defeating the Uenatai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Ruaka, Rina, and Fukikin Death, with Hina pinning her twin, Rina, with her new move, the Power Body Buster, in 11 minutes and 18 seconds. Um, the Uenatai team brand themselves as the Cinderella Losers, which I must admit is pretty funny. Um, and then, of course, they talk about Saki winning the uh, Cinderella later in the night and putting the dress on to death. Um, what is funnier, though, than them referring to themselves as Cinderella losing, I don't know if you picked up on this, Matt, is Hina kneeling down in the center of the ring to do some sort of pose with the entirety of Queen's Quest whilst everyone was in the ring. But no one realizes or joins her. So she's there kneeling down in the middle of the ring, looks round, realises no one's there, and then has to scuttle back to the corner, really embarrassed. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> but she does, get, that she does get the win. She does get the win, so uh, it's not all bad. I did not notice that. That's a very uh, Mayu Iwatani moment. <laughs> maybe, she, maybe, maybe she's being coached a little on the side, you know? So if she goes to stars between now and the end of the year, now we know why. Now we know why. <laughs> Um, <laughs> overall then Matt this match another really 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 fun match yeah I thought it was the the beginning was really really smart how Miyu who's only been wrestling a handful of months she starts off the match and she gets up a little bit on Momo uh, and the fact that Starlight Kid has to come in and cut her off it's like you know Miyu has the advantage how are we going to get heat on her oh we're just going to have to cut her off by the tag champs I thought like that was saying a lot like right it might might have been just like a little tidbit that maybe went over some people's heads or maybe just flew under flew under the radar uh, but I thought that 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 meant a lot the fact that here's this rookie that how we have to cut her off is we have to have the tag champs cut her off so I thought that was was a little nice little feather in a cap yeah this was really solid I kind of thought as this was breaking down we were going to get a little preview of Momo versus Utami because we know that's coming down the line somewhere big and we really didn't. So I was a little disappointed in that, but the match was, I thought, was really solid. Uh, Zooming Starlight Kid stuff looked really, really good. You kind of got, you know, the, the eternal foes. We got a little bit of that as well. But I thought, you know, I, didn't, I haven't seen much of Rina. I thought she looked really, really good here. I thought that, obviously, she's going for the uh, Future Stardom Championship belt coming up here next week. So I think they did a really good job by, you know, shining her up, by giving her a new finish. And, uh, you know, she basically took a lot of the offense towards the end. So it was, yeah, really smart booking. I like this not as much as the previous match, but I had this one at three and a quarter. Yeah, same again. 
the main thing I want to talk really about this match is, in fact, Hina. Um, obviously, she's been away for a while. She's come back. She's grown her hair out. She, you know, as we know, their hair is the source of all stardom wrestlers' power. Um, and she's come back with this new finisher, which is essentially the big ending, uh, Big E's move. Um, and it's good that she now has the power move finish rather than relying on um, the ghetto clutch, which she was using before. And it was something that we talked about with um, Rena using just the jackknife. She's now got the pink devil. Starlight Kid was using a load of roll-ups, and now she's got the black tiger driver. Um, Azumi still really needs that power move. That's the thing I think she needs to work on. But in terms of the big ending, Matt, and I don't know if it's just me or if other people feel the same. I don't understand. That's got to hurt Hina just as much as it hurts Rina because all of the pressure, where the way you take the big ending, you take it all on the shoulder as you're dropping that person. You're essentially dropping that person onto your shoulder. Does that not hurt? <laughs> like, Yeah, that's all. That's all on you. Now that you bring it up, I remembered a podcast Chris Jericho was doing with Big E or might have been the New Day, but he was saying that that the big ending was his favorite move to take. Now, Big E obviously in ginormous chests and traps and whatnot, but Jericho said he's like, it's my favorite finisher to take because it's basically falling on a giant pillow. Uh, so, <laughs> and I think Big I think Biggie even said he's like, that's all on him. You know, like I do a brain buster and pretty much like as one of my finishers or a setup for my finisher. And, you know, people that have never taken it before, I just tell them, hey, tuck your chin and pose. It's all on me. You know, I'm just taking I'm taking a big back bump, you know, and it's and my back. My back bump is basically breaking your fall. That's basically what this is. Yeah, it, it is uh, kind of all on them, um, you know, uh, on, uh, on Hina, you know, for that. But it's yeah, it's it's a, you know, a new finisher. You know, it's it's something to look forward to. I think that we're going to see tease in that match coming up next week. Yeah, and as for that match, um, Queen's Quest are on the ring and say, obviously, we now need a leader. Um, and it's something we've been talking about for a while who should take over from Momo Watanabe as the leader of Queen's Quest. Well, we will find out because on May 15th at the next Stardom Corican, there will be a five-way to determine the leader of Queen's Quest. Now, so, some of the ways that members of Queen's Quest got themselves into the match, like we all expected Azumi to be in there, Utami to be in there, and Saikamatani to be in there. But Lady C basically saying, yeah, well, I've done behavior management in school. I'm a teacher, so surely I should be in charge. And he just like, I've just won. Therefore, I should be in charge. Like, they have some relatively tenuous reasons as to why they should lead a faction. But even so, Azumi versus Hina versus Utami versus Saya versus Lady C will be um, on the 15th of May. Like I said, it's it's going to be known as the Queen's Quest general election match. Um, if you have to call it now, Matt, now bless them, Lady C and Hina, they ain't winning. Um, who Who wins this for you? Like, just at this moment, and I'm completely aware that this is going to change from week to week to week, but who? Because I can't put... Obviously, it's a three-person race. Uh, I mean, it, between uh, Azumi, Sai, and Yutami. So, with that being said, it should go to Miyu, because no one sees it coming. Uh, <laughs> as of right now, as we're, as we're recording this, just off the top of my head, I'm just going to say Azumi, just because she's the one that keeps bringing it up. She's the one that keeps saying, we need a leader, we need a leader, we need a leader. She's the one that's doing... <laughs> you know, the majority of the talking on it. Again, we have another almost three weeks into this match comes. So obviously uh, our opinions will probably change as it's coming up. But uh, if you're asking me right now, you know, again, it's the flip of a coin, but I'm going to say Azumi. Uh, how about you? 
Um, it's you ask me the question, I gotta fire it back. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's between Azumi and uh, and Utami, isn't it? I can't really see Sayaka Matani winning it, which is weird considering she's holding the second highest belt in the company. Um, I feel like Azumi deserves it on tenure simply because yeah. you know she is now the longest serving member of Queen's Quest, and I know that probably doesn't equate to much but even so i feel like you know she could be the next leader utami she's ex-red belt champion um does that qualify her as the most um the person that should be leading a faction i don't know wrong answer out of those three even if it is Sai, there really is no no wrong answer and obviously we'll dissect it more as it's coming up, but the whole Zumi thing is like she was the only one that was underneath EO, you know, the leader, the goat, you know, uh, of stardom. So it's just like you look at it like that, it's like you've got a point, but at the same time, you look at Utami, she had this legendary red belt run, not only with title reigns and matches, but you know, drawing power as well. I mean, that obviously the match with Sherry from last year got a huge amount of buzz, turned the stardom business around. So, I mean, you have to take that into fact. But I mean, really, the, between the three, there's really no wrong answer. Let's move on then. So we start our Cinderella tournament second round matches with match four. Saya Ida defeating Mei Sakurai with the Ida Rock in five minutes and 53 seconds. Now, even though Mei Sakurai has invisibly improved her singles entrance theme, which I don't recall actually listening to before, uh, might actually be the most hateful on the entire roster. And I don't know why. Well, I say most hateful, apart from Tam's AMAP. Huh. You think that's the most hateful? I real I dislike Tam's theme immeasurably. I don't know whether it's the the auto tune on it, but the most face thing that happened during the five star last year was Konami attacking Tam before the bell, so we didn't have to hear the entire of her theme. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you, sir? Well, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw it right back at you because I I have a note here with this May Sakurai thing because you. Uh, you keep talking about the great lady call C or whatever as you call her. So I have renamed May Sakurai's finisher to the My Oh My or the My Oh May elbow drop. So there you go. In vain. In vain to you really just upsetting me and hurting my feelings. I'm a sensitive man, damn it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, genuinely, Saya, Saya kicks out of this nuclear finish at one during this match. <laughs> Which just goes to show, really, just how little people like this move. So he's like, I ain't been put away by this. Absolutely not. Yeah. As far as the match goes, obviously, Saida, uh, she's a bruiser. Uh, I'm a big fan of her work. So May Sakurai had to bring up the intensity, uh, and she really did. She really ramped up her intensity, and she's going to have to do it again at New Blood, too. But ultimately, yeah, Saida just basically just ate her up for lunch. So uh, solid, you know, as always. If you have a solid match and you put in effort, you always get the three stars from me. Yeah, I gave it two and three quarters. It was, it was fine. I thought May looked good. Um, I'm You know, I really enjoy the showstopper that she hits now. Um. And obviously, the Eater Rock is a really cool move, the Diamond Dust. Um, spiking me right on her head, which uh, is not the last time we're going to be talking about people being spiked on their head during this show. Um, but yeah, it's in terms of 
forgettable matches on this card. This this ranks relatively highly. Um, and that's not disrespectful. It's the fact it went, you know, under six minutes and it was buried on a card of 10 matches. Um, we then move on to match number five, another Cinderella Tournament 2022 round two match with Natsupoi defeating Yunagi Sayaka with the fairy train in four minutes and 45 seconds. Um, now, we open with highlights of the pair's singles meeting during the 2021 five-star Grand Prix Tour on the 4th of September in Bell Sal Shia Dome. They were in opposite blocks, but this was just a random singles match on the undercard. Um, and here, the pair went to... went used a lot of comedy uh, for the majority of the matchup, utilising an extra-large elastic band, um, which was sort of reminiscent of the ones that Ewedetai would use during the Kagetsu days. Uh, Natsupoi during that match will be the one attempting to use it the most often trying to hurt Yunagi with the snap of it after letting it go from a far distance now obviously after the highlights of that we knew we were getting something similar here and obviously they did the same thing Daichi Moriyama the poor referee had to remove vast swathes of elastic bands from Yunagi before the match starts however one band in particular snaps on Moriyama's hand in a way that clearly wasn't planned because Yunagi and Natsupoi absolutely lose it in the ring. The poor bloke, like, just after he'd been groined by one last time, he gets snapped on that. I did really feel sorry for him. But overall, I thought Natsupoi and Yunagi actually melded the comedy of using the elastic band and created quite an entrancing match. I really enjoyed this match. Yeah, if you ever listen to Jim Ross, Jim Ross's podcast, he talks about how um, when he was in talent relations that if anybody had a really good showing, they would get a little a bonus, a little extra cheese on their whopper, he would say. He even say he would do it to the referees if they had to take a bump or they did a really good job on something. And I think if Jim Ross was in talent relations at this Corkin show, he would have gave Daichi a little bit of bonus. <laughs> <laughs> God Definitely. Bless Definitely. Yeah, but... Uh, but it was weird because, like, I put the match on play, and then I think I was doing something. And then I turned I, – I looked up, and I'm like, did I hit the right thing? Why am I seeing it? I'm like, oh, okay. So, like, you kind of knew where it was going. But, yeah, the elastic band – and I and bless Stardom. I thought that was genius to kind of throw that callback because it just added a little bit more into the match. But, yeah, they did a really good job with the comedy stuff. Um, and then they, you know, they almost had, like, a, a high-speed match. I thought it was really good. Again, it went only, what, about six minutes or so. Uh, and I thought there was a really good fight. Natsupoi, when it comes to, like, getting eliminated over the top rope and teasing it, she's very much like late 90s Shawn Michaels, where it's like, oh, are they going to hit, or how is she going to hit, or how is she going to save herself? They do a really good job, like, falsing that. And then, yeah, she hits that crazy uh, German suplex where she bridges, like, the release, where she bridges back and doesn't hit the mat with her, with her neck or shoulders. And then she basically goes back to her feet, almost like Matrix-like, and then hits another German suplex. So I thought, yeah, this was really, really solid. It was fun for the time giving. You know, they were able to get comedy in. They were able to get wrestling in. They teased a couple falsies and then uh, two big German suplexes from Natsupoi for the win. And I know this was another one that uh, that was kind of shocking to a lot of people because a lot of people had Yunagi going to uh, the Final Four. But I guess if there's one tournament uh, in the year that people are going to get wrong, almost every one, it's going to be this one. Yeah, I I genuinely really enjoyed this match. I was exactly the same as you. I thought you, Nagy. I mean, it's very interesting that Poi is going through to the semifinals here, especially as so many people had her losing it. She had the, the hardest run, effectively, because everyone either expected Starlight Kid to go through to the final or you, Nagy. And Natsupoi had both. 
but she's also eliminated both. And do you know what? Good for her, because she's great. She's fantastic in ring, and a high-profile singles match at Ota Ward is going to be excellent for her, so well played. And I thought there was one particular moment that I thought was great in this match, and it involved the big elastic band. Um, and Yunagi sort of snapped the elastic, so Poi nearly loses a grip on the ropes whilst on the outside, and then that led to just a beautifully smooth sequence between the pair. Overall, this was probably one of my favorite matches on the card. I gave it three and a half, Matt. Yeah, I was three and a half as well. Yeah, really, really well done. Excellent way to tell a story in just a short amount of time. Let's move on then to uh, match six, which was yet another Cinderella 2022 round two matchup with Kogama defeating Julia via over-the-top rope elimination in seven minutes and 38 seconds. Now, talking about entrance music, I will never not find the arrangement of Kogama's theme jarring. It's almost offensively catchy as well, but now I found out why it's bugged me for so long, Matt. What's that? The main melody, before it comes in, you know, shredding electric guitar. It's almost identical to an ice cream truck that used to go past my house when I was a kid. Like, oh my God. Like down to the tone and everything. It's so weird. Just a. I was like, oh my God. Like, I was get, I was salivating at the thought of vanilla ice cream whilst listening to it. I was like a Pavlovian dog. I was like, that's what that is. Um, like, the match was great as well, but that theme. Just, yeah, genuinely. I just, wow. Uh, the reason why I'm saying wow is because I have an ice cream truck that goes by my house now that once the weather breaks, probably twice a day. So I was like, holy geez, you're absolutely right. It's the same. I'm a, I like, oh, anyway, <laughs> the match, the match <laughs> itself. Great, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, we have a match to talk about. Yes, <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> Ice cream. Uh, yeah, the match was really good. They did a really good job building this. Um, and then they did a really good job towards, like, with the, with the several near falls with all the roll-ups. And I thought it was smart because I think that a lot of people had Julia going far in the tournament but didn't have her winning just because she just had a title shot. And I thought it was a smart way to get her out of the tournament with the over-the-top rope. So I thought this was really good. Again, everything was solid. Had matches on the card. You know, nothing needs to go really, really long. And uh, now I'm. I think I want ice cream when I go home. So uh, thanks. So, but no, this is this is good. I had this at three and a half size. I thought this was this was really solid. And you can kind of even tell Julie was having some fun. You know, she shook her hand afterwards, and you can kind of just tell like Julie's trying to keep like that mean streak. Like, oh, I'm so mad that I lost. You can tell that she just had so much fun in that match that she kind of cracked up at the end there, like once or twice. Yeah, especially with that. Um the bit on the top rope where they were meeting each other in the middle. And every time one of them landed a slap, the rope would like veer wildly. Um, It was, it was incredibly entertaining. And again, Kogama is such an underrated comedy wrestler. Like she manages to meld it so well with really, really good high speed stuff. And Julia, because she is so deadpan, usually sort of cold and calculated when she does crack up, it makes things funnier. And um, you know, Kogama is one of those that I just I will never not find funny. Um, so yeah, a really really good match, and yeah, Kogama eliminates Julia, which Julia isn't going to lose a considerable amount of matches, especially singles matches. But in the Cinderella tournament, via over the top rope, it's barely a loss. 
So Julie is not affected by this. Nobody expected her to win this. She's already won, won one of the tournaments. And to give Kogima, you know, who would ultimately go on to face Hazuki in the semifinal, you know, her FWC teammate, that is a far more interesting matchup than Julia versus Suzuki, as good a match as that would have been. Yeah, the dynamic, and considering the fact that they're rematching for the tag titles as well, so we want things like, ah, they're former tag champs. It's like, yeah, they're former tag champs that are into this, going into the semifinals against each other, but even coming out of this, they have a, they're getting another uh, tag title shot, so that, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic going into the match next week. Absolutely. We move on to match seven then, the Cinderella Tournament 2022 second round match. Saki Kashima, the thorn in Mayu Iwatani's side, defeats her again with the Kishikasai in 17 seconds. Wow. Like, again, new hair coloring for Saki, optimum Saki, in my opinion. She looked great. And this is emphatic proof that all stardom wrestlers channel their power from their hair. I'm sorry, this proves it. In terms of the time limit, 17 seconds, you will not be surprised to know, is the shortest Cinderella match in tournament history, beating out the previous shortest of 1 minute and 19 seconds in the 2019 tournament, set by Starlight Kid when she beat Hazuki in the quarterfinals. That noise from the crowd when Saki... Again, 17 seconds and had already had a really close two count at this point in the match. Like the crowd, it was almost like being pre-pandemic again, the reaction that they gave, Matt. Yeah, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here, and I'm trying not going to keep it too long because I know you need to get drunk in a hot tub, uh, Sinner. <laughs> but uh, um, I obviously was, I went on Twitter earlier. I think this was on Sunday, so this was Easter Sunday. So I was on Twitter early in the morning. Uh, as I was getting ready to do stuff, and I saw that, and I kind of thought Saki was going to win, you know, with with the roll-up, because it just seems to be Mayu's kryptonite, but 17 seconds. Now, Rob, I'm going to ask you a question, sir, and I think I know your answer, because it's similar to my answer and several other people's answer. So there's about 1,200 people at this show. Now, if you were to attend this show and, say, drive an hour, hour and a half, two hours, you know, one way, and spend your $20, $30, $40 per ticket, whatever it is, and if you're only going to see, you only want to see one wrestler, not one match, one wrestler on this show, who is that person you're spending your money and your time to see? Oh, Fuki can death without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> you, you SOB, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, it's my with Tony, obviously. Yes, yes, obviously, that would be my answer as well. So I saw this result, and I was like, wow, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to go on a negative, a really big negative rant on stardom on the podcast because that's what i have to do i have to be honest on my review and 99.9 percent of the time i love what stardom does that's why we're here so i was thinking about it and i was just like you know why like you literally like what my out of the tournament in 17 seconds now again you're on this show you're going to the show say you're going to the show rob you're dry you drive your hour and a half whatever you spend your money like i not only am i going to see mayu versus saki that's the match that you know mayu is the person i want to see the most not only am I going to go see her against Saki, it's her former tag team champion partner. It's the thorn in her side. And if Mayu wins, she gets to wrestle uh, Mirai in, you know, in the main event. Like, wow, that's I'm really going to get my money's worth. So Mayu comes out. She does her entrance. She throws the ball. You take a picture of Mayu, and you're going to say, oh, I'm going to send this to my broad, uh, broadcast partner, Matt Turner. And I'm going to be like, hey, look, look how close I am. And by the time you hit send, guess what happens? The match is over. 
I was I was thinking I was like I can't believe that. So later on in the day, they released just these six matches, and I'm always one where I read something, and I'm always you know whether I disagree agree with it. In the back of my head, I'm like, well, just watch how it plays out, and I'm completely wrong because what it ultimately comes down to is the reaction from the crowd, and this got the loudest reaction of anything on the crowd, and I am man enough to admit when I'm wrong. And that's what marriage will do to you. <laughs> you will admit that you're wrong all the time, brother. Let me tell you, this, you know, any, any, any married man listening to this podcast, shaking their head. And I was completely wrong. So that little rant that I just went on, I will have to wipe it all the way because what the heck do I know? I mean, yeah, they had, it started out, you know, obviously they had a falsy and they even put a falsy in there, which goes to show you one, just how great Saki is. And two, Mayutani is like the best wrestler ever for her to have a 17 second match, throw a German suplex, a falsy in there get beat and get the loudest reaction out of a 10 card show in front of roughly 1200 people. I mean, I mean, that just cements her legacy. Like really like that just cements her legacy of how good she is. And I think another thing that we got to play out to is how just uh childlike a way to tie was on the outside, especially started like kid when she had the stopwatch. It was like 17 <laughs> seconds, 17 seconds. I was like, what a bunch of jerks, like in the best way, in the best way. This was genius. This was absolute genius. If you're going to have a 17-second match on this card, Mayu is the person to do it against because it just fits her character. She's so confident in her own ability. She's so lackadaisical at times that it is completely within the realm of possibility that someone can roll her up in 17 seconds. And if someone is going to roll someone up in 17 seconds, Saki is the perfect person to do it because she is so good with that Kishkasai, which, by the way, we see someone transition out of, which I've never seen. But, and then you add the history of the fact that Saki, Mayu can never quite get the full-on edge over Saki. Saki always seems to be able to get the one up on Mayu. And adding that story here, and you could see Mayu's just complete disbelief. And then, of course, you talk about the crowd reaction. It was perfect. Yes, there's going to be disappointed people there who wanted to see Mayu wrestle. And it's sweet that you think that I'd be in Japan watching Stardom without you, but you know that that would happen for both of us at the same time. But even so, I thought this was really, really, really good booking. And you know what? I'm glad Saki got a bit of the rub because we've been talking for months and months and months about how she's a really underutilized wrestler. And we seem to be getting more and more of a Saki rub recently, which is great. 17 seconds. Jesus, what a shock. But what a reaction. Um, So Saki moves into the quarterfinals. I mean, we talked about it before. I think both of us thought Saki was going through if it came down to Saki versus Mayu. But... Definitely not in 17 seconds. Jesus. Um, <laughs> I didn't rate it, Matt. I'll be perfectly honest. The match went 17 seconds. It took me longer to start up notes on my phone to make notes for this match than it did to make the match. I have stars. <laughs> you have stars? You're going by crowd reaction. You know, four or <laughs> five stars. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Jesus. <laughs> um, we move on then, match eight, a tag team match with the Donna Del Mondo team of Himika and Micah um, and the God's Eye team of Suri and Amasuri going to a time limit draw in 15 minutes. Now, I could have predicted that of all the matches on this card, this would be the one that would go to the time limit draw because, you know, good old Rossi loves the time limit draw. 
But obviously, with Suri and Himika going head to head on the 29th, it makes perfect sense to get have this go to a draw. You don't want Amisori looking weak because she's brand new to the company. And obviously, Micah, you're not going to have Micah take the pinfall either because starting very high on Micah makes perfect sense. Um, I, again, I thought Amisori looked fantastic in this match. I thought, if anything, and this is you know, probably quite contentious in people's eyes. I thought she was the star of this match. I thought that exchange between her and Micah towards the end of the match was outstanding. The blue thunderbomb followed by that crunching lariat from Micah and then the double down was such a great crescendo to that sequence. Phenomenal. And I will say it again. I thought Amisuri was the MVP of a match that had the red belt champion and the red belt challenger in it. White belt challenger coming up on uh, May 5th as well. And of course the white belt challenger. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Again, it's whenever we have these tags or six person or eight person, there's always a little bit of a breakdown where you're like, Oh, I, you know, I'd like to see that in a single. And obviously they basically kind of just paired this up. You know, it, uh, the, you know, the, the meat of the match, the bulk of the match was going to be Siri and Himika just to build towards their match, you know, uh, coming up here uh, next week. But yeah, the Emmy Sora and Micah stuff was really, really good. I mean, this was my favorite match of the show. Again, there was there was ten matches, so there was a lot to take in. Yeah, and this was really, really good. And even Sherry's kicks, just because, especially on Himika, it's like if that's a preview we're getting next week. Again, I'm a big fan of just people hitting each other hard. Again, hard and safe places, which Sherry is a master of, and so many uh, women on this roster of. But yeah, I mean, she's just laying her kicks and you know to the bigger Himika. So it's like you can kind of tell. That's the psychology and the storytelling you're going to see of this match is you're going to see Himika trying to use her power and those fast lariats and those uh, fast shoulder tackles and her power to take down Shiri. You know, Shiri's going to be trying to chop this tree down with uh, with kicks and strikes and submission holds as well. And that's what we got here. But, yeah, that stuff with Amy Sora and uh, Micah, I didn't see coming. And, boy, you know, I hope we get a singles match somewhere down the line because I thought this was really good. And I, I, I'll agree with you. I thought she was the MVP of the match which is smart. You already have these the other three ladies kind of on a pedestal. We're really not sure what we're getting with, with Amy just because we haven't seen much of her. So this was a really good job showcasing her here. So you kind of built up, you know, you made a, an intriguing match already more intriguing uh, for the red belt. And then you're kind of built up your, your new person in here. And of course, Micah looked really good as well. And I'm, you know, we're, I'm sure we're going to see her on a string of wins here coming up uh, to our, towards our white belt title shot against Sayakamatani. But I thought this was excellently booked, had no issues whatsoever with the time limit draw. I almost saw the time limit draw coming as much as I saw Waka losing. <laughs> Poor Waka. Um, <laughs> I gave it three and three quarters. Um, I thought it was great. And of course, we haven't even, uh, well, I haven't anyway, talked about the Suri and Himika exchanges, which were also extremely good. Um, I, the only, it's not a complaint that I have per se. Um, it's just that obviously they've had two matches now that have gone to a draw and the Cinderella match on the fourth, I think, of April. Um, and obviously the tag match here. Uh, sorry, the 10th, not the fourth, the 10th. Um, the one thing that I've noticed, both matches ended with Shuri on top. Now... Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I just said, yeah, you mentioned that last week. I Again, I didn't... I didn't point it out last week or this week, but yeah, genius, my friend. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just that you want to make Micah, sorry, Himika look strong. And obviously, you know, they did during this match, but 
I feel like they could have done more with Himika. Like, Shuri wouldn't have lost anything if right at the bell, Himika hit the JP coaster. Or Himika hits, I don't know, the the uh, running power. Yeah, the Lariat, the running power bomb. Something like that. A big impactful move just to build her. Especially as they're doing the comparison between Amisori as, you know, Himika's calling her a cheap imitation of her. It would be you want to try and put her over as a challenger, yet in both these matches, Suri has been on top as the bell has gone. And I just I nobody in their right mind thinks Himika is winning this on the twenty ninth. I mean, surely Shuri is carrying on because obviously we still got that Risa Sarah challenge, which, you know, I'm, I'm sure is coming in the very, very near future. So would Shuri lose anything if Himika was on top at the bell? I don't personally think so. But it's the one nitpick or the one negative that I have on this match is I think they could have done a lot more with the portrayal of Himmick, or especially in the closing segments. Um, but I gave it three and three quarters. I thought it was a really, really, really good match. If you're just looking at it on um, as a match in an isolated bubble, three and three quarters, the action was great. And again, Amisori has got big things ahead of her. I think she looks great. Yeah, I had three and three quarters. But yeah, that, I mean, what if the finish was Jimmy goes to pick her up for the ruin, which is a, is a sight to see just because uh, Himika is so much bigger than her. And then she kind of squirms out, hits her with a ginormous lariat. Uh, Siri takes like a big bump, and then she kind of just rolls her body like towards the underneath the rope or even outside as the, the final five seconds. Or uh, even if she would like to roll her body all the way to the outside, and, the ti- and then the time limit expires, and it, basically you have your visual of Himika standing there, you know, leaning over the ropes onto a fallen Shiri who's on the outside almost knocked out cold. I think, yeah, that would have been a good visual. There we are. We move on to our two quarter final matches that we've got. Of course, Suzuki and Natsupoi already through to the semi-finals, so they don't have to go into these matches. So match nine, Cinderella Tournament 2022 quarterfinal match. Kagama defeats Star's teammate Saya Ida with the rechristened Kuma Roll in four minutes and 52 seconds. It's the Bear versus the Gorilla and wouldn't you know it, this is the only bloody match where we get no animal shenanigans. I feel cheated, Matt. I understand that, but the fact that you might be getting ice cream during the entrance, <laughs> does that change anything for you? Every time Gogova comes to the ring, I'm like, oh my God, ice cream. <laughs> um, irrelevant of the lack of animal shenanigans, I thought this was another really, really, really entertaining sub-five-minute match. Um, I thought Kogama's selling of either second round of chops just with her arms in the air was really funny. Um, and then, oh my God, the suplexes. Like, Kogama's on Saya almost happened in slow motion. And Ida hit right on the top of her head. It looked awful. It looked so painful to take, Matt. Yeah, uh, that's where those neck bridges come into play. You know, and your, your shoulder workouts. And I guess there's any member of the Stardom roster that's going to be taking that and be okay with it's going to be Sai either because, you know, there's 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 not much on her other than solid mus- muscle. I mean, she's she's so good in the ring. I thought the one good thing is, I mean, you know Sai is going to be coming with the chops and the strikes and whatnot, but Koguma's feeding. You know, I'm always big into the feeding because if you have to feed a proper way so it looks good and then it's also being safe. Uh, and I thought Koguma's feeding the way she fed and the way she sold for Saida's offense, which was, you know, kind of mostly strikes. 
I thought was really good. And again, this was right under five minutes. It did what it needed to do. Uh, we saw what we needed to see. And then uh, Kokomo rolls up Saida, uh, you know, with that it, with that really just tight roll up that she's been getting a lot of wins with. So I thought this was very interesting, uh, very interesting finish. And it was it was a very fun match. I just had uh, three and a quarter stars. I thought this was very like if you were to ask me, like, I just want to watch a fun wrestling match. This is the match under five minutes. Yeah. You have the ice cream entrance, uh, <laughs> you know, everything, everything really flowed really well. Uh, Saida looked really good here. Koguma gave her a lot and then she dropped her on her head and then rolled her up. So, uh, yeah, I thought this was, this was really solid and just kind of a good way to send, uh, Koguma in through the, the, to the semifinals. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, Koguma will be going on to face Hazuki in the quarterfinals, uh, sorry, in the semifinals on the 29th at Towards City Gym. Um, and that brings us to our main event, which was another Cinderella Tournament 2022 quarterfinal match with Mirai defeating Saki Kashima with the Miramare in 6 minutes and 47 seconds. Now, the clean break from Saki that starts this match might be the most unnerving thing that happens in the entire tournament match. I was not ready for Saki to perform a clean break. Yeah, you thought maybe she'd get a cheap shot in there and then Mirai would turn around just to kind of get her shining and just beat the bejesus out of her for a little bit before they turned it back on the heat. But yeah, that was very, like, again, something so small that you're just kind of like on the edge of your seat. You know, we just watched nine matches. You know, everything flowed really well here on the, on the main event. Kind of figured out who was, you know, going to go through here. Nonetheless, still a really, really good match. But yeah, uh, a clean break from a member of a Weedle tie. How about that? Was like, do you think maybe the first three minutes of this match took place in Bizarro World? Well, you've got that. And then Saki hit a Frankensteiner, which I don't think we've seen, like a top rope Frankensteiner, which I don't think we've seen since the early days of a heel run. But I, I could be wrong. I know she used to do it as a baby face, but I have, I can't remember the last time I've seen Saki do a Frankensteiner match. I didn't even point that out. Yeah, how about that? You know, just coming off the back of the Steiners going into the Hall of Fame. Maybe she was watching her Steiner Brothers tape. <laughs> I'm I'm excited to see maybe, in, you know, uh, on uh, the next show that she's on, if she's going to be hitting the Steiner lines and doing the dog face grim and bark. That would be awesome. Coming in with the chain mail hat. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear me you know what i mean she does have a new hairdo you know so saki steiner <laughs> man i'm off the rails as always this is the best i love doing this show but anyway, <laughs> back to the match i thought the match was really good the psychology made sense you know saki used her quickness to get the advantage on mirai once uh mirai kind of cut her down she uses uh, a lot of submissions to kind of break her down and then uh, she gets the win. With, or I thought the, the building for the finish was really good, too. Saki trying for a whole bunch of flash roll-ups. It's like, well, you worked on the icon of stardom just a little bit ago. Why won't it work on the person that's only been with the company a handful of months? So I thought the psychology was real. And it made sense because the crowd bid on everyone. We just saw this work on Mayu. Why is it not going to you know, work on Mariah? Eventually, Mariah gets out of all of them, you know, builds back up to the submission, and then uh, beats her uh, with a double wrist lock. So obviously, big fan of that move, big fan of the way that Mariah uses it. And Mariah gets a, uh, not only does she get a win, but she gets a main event win at Corbin Hall from around like 1,200 people. So again, you know, sending her into the finals. So, uh, our, sorry, excuse me, the semifinals. So now we have our semifinal set there, Mr. Goodwin. Now there's not much more we can possibly get wrong. I want to know what is your final and who is your winner? Right. Okay. So the semifinals are Hazuki and Kogama. 
And then on the other side of the bracket, it's Natsupoi and Mirai. Now, uh, of the three of us, and by three of us, I mean me, you, and your lovely wife, Amber, I believe there is only me with anyone left <laughs> in the final. Is that right? Because your wife had Utami and Suri, they're both out. You had Azumi and Sonic Kids, they're both out. And I had Himika versus Mirai. Now, Himika's out, which means that Mirai is the Ooh. only person in the final that any of us had. Um, I'll be honest, I think it will be um, Hazuki going over Kogama. Um, now, Brandon Neal, who did some fantastic work uh, for our latest YouTube video, if you haven't already, go check that out, episode 61. Um, he has Natsupoi to win the tournament or um, to go into the final. I think he's got it. I think he's got it to win. So he still has a chance. Um, but I have Mirai going over Natsupoi to have a Hazuki and Mirai final. And then, and I said last week that I think Hazuki wins and goes for the white belt because she's got unfinished business with that white belt. She's just lost the goddess of stardom belts. We talked about what's next for Hazuki. Maybe this is what's next for Hazuki. They're probably going to give it to Mirai. I'll be perfectly honest. But I'm going to go Hazuki. But I would be surprised if it is. No offense to Natsupoy or Kogama. I'd be surprised if either of those two make it into the final match. I said earlier, um, before we were spoiling, obviously spoilers if you made it this far, and thank you. Uh, the obvious, I don't have really favorites anymore as far as wrestlers go, um, other than Io Shirai is my all-time favorite women's wrestler, and I want to see Momo win the red belt sometime uh, in the next few years. Other than that, I just want to see really good matches that uh, move the needle, that, you know, put butts in seats, that, uh, that does well for business for all wrestling companies. So the match that I want to see in the final uh, is Suzuki and Mirai. Obviously, two hard hitters. I think they'll gel really well. I'm going to say Hazuki wins. And again, because of, I want to see good matches, I say Hazuki challenges Sherry. Because um, I, wow. think, I think that, yeah, I think that would be an absolute banger of a match. Not that saying uh, Hazuki versus Saya or Micah, whoever comes out of that match, wouldn't be bad. But I just think their styles mesh up better. You know, the two good submission wrestlers, the two really good strikers. Again, that's just based on what I want to see. So I think that's going to happen. I do see Mirai possibly winning and then winning the white belt. I just don't see her challenging Shuri again. However, they do do it. Obviously, their first match was fantastic. Mirai's only getting better. I don't see Kagama winning at all. I think she is by far the uh, person I would put number four, which would probably mean she's going to win the whole tournament, the way this one's shaping mm -hmm. up. But I would not be shocked if Natsupoi wins. I think she's got an outside shot just because I can see her winning challenging Shuri. Now, her and Shuri have teamed up quite a bit, and they always seem to get along really well into the ring, even the point where Shuri does, like, her pose, and Natsupoi, like, sits on her lap like she's Santa Claus, which is funny, because Shuri's always draped in red. So how about that? <laughs> There's a t-shirt for you, Stardom. Um, but what if what if Natsupoi was to challenge Shuri, and then she falls short and loses? And then Sherry's like, come join my group. Or Natsupoi says, you know what? I battled with you. I came close. Now I want to join your group. And what if she leaves DDM and then goes to God's Eye? There's, you know, there's a scenario there. I mean, the one thing they are missing in God's Eye is a high-speed wrestler. It would make sense. Um, I would love to see Natsupoi win the Cinderella. I really would. Um, 
I just I they are very high on Mirai at the moment. I, yeah. She's number three. Like I have Hazuki and Mirai is like they're right there. It's like flip of the coin. I think that's gonna be the final. Yeah. But I can kinda of, you know, I have Natsupoi number three, and that's a scenario and I have Koguma four, but like I said, I mean I wouldn't be heartbroken if Koguma won and then we saw Koguma versus uh versus Saya Kamatani match. I mean, uh, there's really no wrong answer here. But as far as, like, my picks, it's Suzuki 1, Mirai 2, Poi 3, and uh, Koguma uh, 4. Yeah, that's that's how my power ranking of the set, the semifinalists would go. I mean, so, and I know it's um, it's not really, you know, a booking. You know, booking wouldn't even look at this. But we have had three stars winners of the tournament. We've had two Queen's Quest stars, uh, two Queen's Quest winners, and we've had one DDM winner and obviously one unaffiliated in Tony Storm. So, you know, another win, that would be four stars winners of the Cinderella tournament. And I know it's more of a face thing than a than a heel thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with, pardon me, my decision, I think it's going to be Hazuki over Mirai. Um, also, I am just going to say, I think that we got this wrong. I don't understand how we got it wrong, but apparently, <laughs> the semifinals and the final are no time limit, but everything else has been 10 minutes. But I was under the impression that after the first round, it went to 15 minutes. Now, I am sure that I read that, and then I've seen other people say that they've got it wrong as well. So something must have happened. Something must have been said that made us all get it wrong. However, there are no time limits in the semifinals and the final when it comes to the 29th of April. Um, In terms of the 29th of April, which is obviously the next big show in Stardom's calendar, um, we're going to do a preview next week. Obviously, there are shows on the 23rd and the 24th, which will also see my Himipui defend their Artist of Stardom Championships against the Cosmic Angels. Um, We'll be reviewing those shows next week, doing a preview of the Cinderella final, and then we'll review that the week after, which will drop on the 8th of May, so keep your eye out for that. In terms of our Patreon exclusive episodes, our Kyrie Hojo White Belt Retrospective is going to be dropping on the 27th of April at 6pm British Standard Time to our White and Red Belt patrons. So please go check it out, go subscribe to our Patreon. We'd love to hear your feedback on that. We're looking forward to recording that. Um, In terms of our May bonus episodes, there are still, as we record today, two days. The closing date is the 24th to get your vote in for what we are going to be covering in May. So far, all of the votes have gone to Stardom X Stardom 2019 show review and Kagetsu versus Suzuki in the 8th anniversary and Osaka match review. Those are the top ones at the moment, but you still have time to go and change it and vote for your favourite. Um, in terms of our Patreon, I just want to go through our lovely, lovely patrons once again. Joseph Usher, Rob Jones, Niagara Driver, John Owen, Valkage Bracker, Tom, Ed BC, Brandon Neal, Steve Clark, Emerson Stone, Alex Tremaine, Mike, Jeff Baker, Doden Solar, Steve Kaklamanos, Colin Mathy, Eric Sandoval, Ben Grimshaw, Devontae Walker, Glenn Lake 8, Darren Chaton, Chris Sensuolo. Oh, God, I've butchered that. I'm sorry, Chris. I know that you've sent me a message. I will go and check that, and I'll be better next time. Plug Pedro and our newest patron, Andrew Watts. 
thank you so much for helping us out, guys. We truly do appreciate it. Also wanted to plug the latest episode of Monthly Pure Resu, or the latest issue, which has got not only Q&A with Julia, but also with Rossi Ogawa. So go and check out that magazine. It's going to be released on the 8th of May, both in hard copy and in online copy, I believe, in a PDF version. Go and check that out at monthlypureresu.com. Um, it's going to be an outstanding read, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Rossi says. I wonder if he's been asked about time limit draws. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. Again, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Stardom Cast. Matt, where can they find you on the social media verse? You can find me on the Instagram and or Twitter. Just search Matt Turner OF and keep your eyes peeled because the next few days, uh, maybe a week or so, the next poster slash T-shirt will be revealed. Uh, my guy, Alex Sanchez, uh, shout out to Alex. I know he's listening. Uh, he does all the artwork for all of our stuff. Uh, he is fantastic. He sent me the pencils a few days ago of what the shirt's going to look like. And I am over the moon thrilled just to give everybody a little bit of a hint at what it's going to be. It is the dream match. Number two, uh, the dream match. Number one shirt slash poster, which uh, sold very well was myself and Andy header team blue and gold versus my all time favorite tag team, Tashiaka Kawada and Akira Taiwe, the Holy demon army. army. Yeah. So this next, this next one will be uh number two. And uh, that's all. That's just a little hint that I'm just going to give you. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That's intriguing because I'm, I'm in my head. I'm thinking: Is it Thunder Rock? Is it um, the Miracle Violence connection? Like, I know you're a big I'll, old Japan guy, so I'm, I'll tell you off the air. I'll tell you off the air once we get out of here, if you want to. Oh yeah, please, yeah, please, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you ever so much, guys. You can find me on Twitter at, at Real Rob Goodwin. Thank you so much for listening guys and we will be back next week to talk the shows from the 23rd the 24th and to preview the cinderella tournament final thank you guys talk to you guys again soon Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.